live from the mist and shrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. All right, all right. This is Scott McKay again, coming at you from sunny San Antonio, Texas. And this is the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. With me today is a friend of mine, and we go back a long time. Her name is Demona Hoffman. She's coming at us from Los Angeles, California, and she is a certified dating coach and the host of the brand new Minty Fresh TV series on FYI Network called A Question of Love. It's on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, and her name is Demona Hoffman. Demona, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks yeah. for having me. Well, hell yeah. yeah, man. You got your brand new TV show going on. Actually, this is the second season of it. New season, right? This is the second show I've done for FYI. I was on another show of theirs called Hashtag Black Love. And that show uh, was a, a great series, but it's not coming back. So they said, why don't you move on to couples now? I was up with singles in the first one. And now I take three couples through the experience of moving in together for the first time. Hence our topic du jour, which is moving in together, which we're going to cover every angle on. This is going to be great. It's an important stage in the relationship to figure out. And there are a lot of people out there that are doing it the wrong way and wondering why they end up having to go through the drama of moving their stuff out again and getting their finances back in order. So if you can move in together the right way the first time, Uh then uh, you can save yourself a lot of heartache. Yeah, that was almost a really short show because you already had them moving back out and being angry at each other. You know, that's well, I'm sure some some of the guys listening have been through that. And, you know, if if it goes well, then you don't have to. But if you go into it with the expectation it's going to go well and you haven't planned for the possibility that it might not, then you're caught off guard if that ends up happening. Yeah, exactly. I think there are basically two reasons why people will move in with each other. The first one is it's kind of a trial marriage. Yeah, we don't really want to tie the knot just yet because, I mean, that involves family law and divorces and stuff if it doesn't work. This is a kind of a way to fly with a safety net for a while. And then the second one is someone's in a desperate position and the other person saves them. Like, you know, this person's about to be homeless, but they're my girlfriend. So I guess she's moving in with me or else I'll be a jerk of a boyfriend. I would say that there's a third option. And that is the third option is the people that are already at one another's house all the time. And then they think, why am I spending all this money to have my own place? And she has her own place. Well, we could just combine our resources, have one place, and then I don't have to do all of that driving. Plus I can have sex with her anytime I feel like it, you know, but you know, the myth in that, right? (laughs) Well, no, I don't, Damone. I have no idea how mythical that could possibly be. Um, Actually, uh, two things there. First of all, I do want to talk about the myth of that, and I think that would be a great conversation. But I think you basically did just give me a third option. I'm thinking as you're saying, ah, that sounds kind of like a hybrid of the two, but it's not. You know, you're not saving anybody, and you're not necessarily having a trial marriage. It's just, hey, we're both young, or we're both 50 for that matter, and we still live with our parents. And this is a great excuse to get out from under that other roof. It's a great excuse to... Uh, live with someone I'd rather live with than a bunch of people I don't want to live with anymore if my style is being cramped. Or like you said, you know, maybe this is a fourth one. Uh, we're around each other all the time. It just makes sense to do this. We have seen the cohabitation rates really skyrocket in the last 10 years, and especially actually among older daters that have no intention of being married. Maybe they've been married before and they're not looking at their new relationship 
as something that's leading toward marriage, but they are looking for the companionship. And so they move in for that reason. But it's important to have the conversation at the beginning about what your expectations are, because a lot of times the ladies do think it means a step towards marriage, even the older ladies. And if that's not your intention, you have to be really clear about it from the beginning. Well, the older people, depending on how older you're talking, uh, sometimes don't want to mess with the will either. You know, they don't want to muddy the waters for everybody who's going to be left all this stuff when they're gone. That, that exactly. has been heard before. Yeah. Yeah. You've worked hard for your stuff and you don't want to give it away, but at the same time, you want a relationship and you want to have the convenience that cohabitation brings. And also I've heard from people, we're not having any more kids. So why would we do this anyway? I mean, I've got my money. She's got hers. We don't need this for tax reasons. Why would we get married? There's no need for it. I agree with that. Um, I think that, um, you know, people get married for different reasons and I'm happily married. I'm a big fan of it. And most of the people that I coach are on a path towards marriage. And so are the three couples on this show or so they believe. And, um, so I'm a fan of it, but I think you have to really examine your own situation and what your own wants and needs are because it's not right for everybody. And for many people, it does complicate things unnecessarily. So you, you shouldn't move on to that step just because you think that's the next logical phase in the relationship. You should move on to that step because it's moving you ahead to where you want to be in life. Yeah, well, I would argue against anything having to do with the tag relationship being attached to it, being contingent on anything that's about convenience or because, you know, it's just I'm the age where it's time to get married or we should do this instead of having actually thought it out and communicated with the other person about it. Well, there's the convenience factor, but then there's also the outside pressures of Oh yeah. my mom has this expectation that by the time I'm 40, I'm supposed to be married and have two kids. <laughs> 40? Uh, this is L.A. Yeah, you must be in California. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. Man, exactly. in New Jersey, if you're 18, you know, grandma's already whacking you over the head with a rolling pin going, Johnny, get out of the house. Go find a nice girl and make some grandchildren, you know. Yeah, That's what yeah. Gonna say. yeah. One of the couples on the show, they're in their mid-20s, and they're actually moving out of their parents' houses for the first time and moving in together. and there's a lot of growing that has to happen in that process because first they're learning how to separate themselves from their parents' wants and needs. And then they're also at the same time learning to live with one another and adapt to their lifestyle to the other person. Hell, that's what going away to college was supposed to teach you. Yeah. Well, they were too busy partying. So now they're <laughs> figuring it out. And it's, well, God knows now that they moved in with each other, they can never party again. That's well, you said important. it. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, that brings us back to what we were talking about before we kind of skirted around this issue, which was some of the myths surrounding this whole idea of moving in with someone else. And uh, sometimes people really aren't ready to face the fact that some of the things they thought were going to happen really don't. Give us some examples. I know one of them was sexual. Yeah, yeah. I love sexual examples around here. Well, <laughs> you've been married for a while. Yeah. I've been married for a while. I, I think when you're in that early phase of the relationship, you the chemistry is still building. And so you're feeling the hormones going and you want to have sex all the time. And that's great as you're getting to know one another and figuring out your sexual style and compatibility. But as the relationship matures there become other factors that you have to incorporate. And many times sex is not the 
top priority in the relationship any longer. doesn't mean that the relationship is broken. And if you are still sexually satisfied and having sex on a regular basis, uh, I don't think that there should be too much judgment around it as long as you and your partner are satisfied. But it, it is a myth that just because you move in together that then forever and ever you will have sex at the drop of a hat anytime you want it. She has stuff to do. <laughs> are you saying that sex diminishes because you moved in together or just it has no effect on it? Well, if you think of the way chemistry works and the way hormones are released, when you haven't seen someone for a while, you know, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's because once you are in the same space, that's when the hormones are triggered for you to be sexually attracted to each other. And the energy kind of restarts every time that you're together when you're in a new relationship and you're not living together. When you're there every day and they're going through their daily life and she has a job or you have a kid or there's a dog to worry about, there are other priorities that have to get focused. And so the baseline sort of lowers and there isn't as much anticipation of seeing one another because you begin to take it for granted that the other person is there. Four simple words you spoke to me, spell it out. You have a kid. That was the magic phrase right there. For us, man, as soon as our son was born, the sex stops for a while. Not completely stopped, but I mean, we were and are again like rabbits around here, except, you know, for the fact that there are children involved. So now we have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. And I think Bill Cosby had a famous skit about how kids are the greatest form of birth control. You know, right when you have like a time, two o'clock in the morning where you think you can do this, there's a little tiny knock at the door. You know, mama. It's like they have radar. You know, kids have like anti-sex yes. radar. They're the best form of birth control ever. Um, I think what you're talking about is really interesting because people, I'm sure – for whatever of the four amazing reasons we decided people move into each other, which I think was pretty good, solid list by the time we were done mutually compiling it. Once they yeah, it was pretty get, good. Yeah, pretty good, aren't we? We're, you know, we're yeah. good dating coaches, Demona. We, <laughs> we should write we a should book. Do, we, we should do this as a profession or something. <laughs> exactly. um, we we did talk about how you you have to really be at the same place as your partner and express what your needs are in the bedroom, especially after you move in together, because there is that, that sex expectation that, well, now that we're living together, we're going to be having sex all the time and the frequency might not increase, but the bonding might increase because you are spending more time together or the drama and the anxiety might increase because maybe she's not uh, an easy person to live with. I think you'll ah. see some of that. Now, played out got, on my TV show too. Yes, right. You know, going on dates was one thing, but now that you live with this person and you are there when they're at their worst, there's no hiding anything anymore, is there? Yeah, I, I don't want to say when they're at their worst, but you see them through everything. So you see the ups and you see the downs. You don't just see them when you're the highlight of the week. You know, when you're when you're not living together, having that date is something that you're anticipating and looking forward to and, and working up to all week. And then if they're there all the time, then that anticipation can start to wane. So you have to find other ways to keep the relationship fresh and to have that spark continue to happen, even though you're having, uh, you're seeing each other on and on, you know, 
an ongoing basis. Well, I kind of liken it to the couple that meets on this singles cruise to the Bahamas. And they're there in this tropical paradise. Nobody's working. Everybody brought their best clothes. They're all on vacation. They're going to these beautiful, luxurious ports of call with clear blue oceans. And they fall in love. One of them lives in Kansas City and the other one lives like in, you know, Atlanta. <laughs> okay. So they get home. They have this long distance relationship. They're getting on the phone, you know, all lovey-dovey with each other. One of them finally gets on a plane and goes and hangs out with the other one for a weekend. And now they're not in the Bahamas anymore. They're in this person's world. And weirdly, there's no more chemistry. There's like no more fun. There's no more spark because this is so mundane now. They're in a different, more real, more genuine life with each other. And like, well, why did I ever fall in love with you? So I think this is almost like the next step beyond that. Okay, we've been going on these wonderful, incredible dates. And my man makes me feel like a Disney princess and blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden, she forgets to leave the door open after she took a dump in the bathroom the first day they lived together. And the guy's like, that's not my girlfriend. You know, things <laughs> like that. That's not sexy. No. This is supposed to be this is supposed to be like on TV, you know, the good TV. Right, exactly. Well, I think you'll you'll see there are two factors that I talk about on the show that lead to long-term compatibility. And there are actually four, but I'll talk about two today. And th that is having shared goals for the future and common values. And a lot of times that can't really be found out if you're still in the early phase of dating and you're only seeing each other once a week, or if you're dating long distance, you haven't really gotten deep into what does this person want out of life? And are we on the same path? So in a long distance relationship, one factor might be when you're together, you realize that they live in a different world than you do. And that's not a world where you want to be, or you'd be separated from your family. It's an adjustment that is uncomfortable. And I've had clients that have been able to make that work. And I've had other ones that, that really struggle with it. So when you're moving in together, if, you're, if you really are doing it mindfully, looking at the long-term goals and then the values of that person and making sure those two are in alignment are going to take you a lot further than just sexual chemistry and that kind of compatibility. I think there's two ways couples throw that whole mix out of balance. And I agree with you, by the way. I think people need to have the shared values and they need to know what their goals are going forward. The first way people throw that out of balance is the woman gets on the first date, not two minutes into it. So how many people have you slept with? What did you W2 last year? Uh, how soon are you going to make me your girlfriend? <laughs> and the guys just left going, uh, can we please just see if we get along yet? You know, and there are guys who will fall for that hook, line, sinker and just start answering all the interview questions. And I always tell people no one ever fell in love because of interview questions. Then you have the other kind of people who throw it out of balance. And you're a dating coach. You can handle it. You've probably seen it before. You've been around. People will date. People will go out for over a year and they know nothing about each other. Yeah. It's because they're afraid to know something about each other because it might be a deal breaker and then they'd have to break up. I promise I'm not making this up. I had a couple who had been dating. For 18 months, do the math, year and a half, okay? And they were talking about, drum roll, moving in together. They were actually talking about buying a house together. And I actually finally said to the guy, I said, hey, what's her last name? He did he not know. And he did not know her last name. That's really sad. <laughs> I said, you two are lacking connection here. You two don't even know each other. And what had happened is one of them wanted like 10 children and the other one never wanted to bring 
a single human soul into this godforsaken world, and they didn't know this 18 months going in. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. They didn't know oh, anything about no. each other. That has to. That conversation has to come much earlier in the process, and yeah, I, maybe not five minutes into the first date. Granted, no. but see, there is a balance to this. That's what I'm saying. But see, the problem is that when you're moving in together, these questions, these hard questions, need to be asked. And that's one of the things I love about a question of love is it forces the couples to face those things that they've been running away from. And the reason that people don't ask questions isn't because they're not. Uh, proficient at question asking, it's because they don't want to hear the answers, and they know that's that what I think. Sometimes the answers are are going to change the path of the relationship, and so right. with the show, we force people to actually deal with whatever comes up. Maybe your mother is too entwined in our relationship. Maybe you need to do some financial planning because you have two kids, and I'm moving in with you, and I have my own stuff, and now my stuff is going to become part of your stuff? And oh, yeah. how are you planning for the future? Like these tough questions that aren't sexy, but they have to be addressed because nothing is more unsexy than having a real point of contention in your relationship that takes over and overcomes the passion and the excitement in the relationship because you you haven't dealt with the issue that's underlying. Yeah. I mean, you just said something that triggered lots of thoughts in my mind. And that's the whole idea that couples think somehow ignorance is bliss when it is most certainly not. It's going to you're heading for mutual oblivion if you don't know anything about each other. Yet people will happily put their heads in the sand because they're afraid if they hear something. Oh, my gosh. then this is going to somehow change our relationship or we're going to break up and I'll be all alone again and I'll have to, you know, start all over. Yeah, I would say that ignorance is just deferred drama. It's well, not bliss. Boom. It's, exactly. And the longer it's, it's deferred, it yeah, the longer it's deferred, the worse it's going to be when it comes out. The other thing is, you know, your mom is too involved in this relationship. Oh my god. Women can't stand mama's voice. <laughs> oh, I mean, if that starts happening when you move in together, You've got to be kidding me. So many things. And let's just rattle off a lightning round of examples here. Someone's a morning person. Someone's an evening person. Someone wants to eat dinner early in the evening. Someone wants to watch Jimmy Kimmel while they're having dinner. Uh, someone starts drinking too much and the other person doesn't want to drink at all. Someone ends up doing the dishes all the time and ends up doing the laundry for everybody. And they didn't talk about how they're going to divide all this out. Someone is Oscar Madison and the other one's Felix Unger. I mean, it just goes on and on. <laughs> Someone snores. You never actually, I mean, you've slept together, but you haven't slept together, right? So now right. someone snores. It's like, who knew, you know? Well, and then as the, re as the relationship develops and as you have kids and you and I both know what that's like, then the problems just multiply. And then you're dealing with kids or elderly parents, or other factors that way on the relationship between the two of you. And if you haven't worked out your core communication style and conflict resolution, which uh, I said I was only going to give two, but actually that is the third factor in long-term compatibility. If you haven't worked out your communication style and how you resolve conflict when it arises in the early phases before you get married, you're going you're gonna to have a, quite a road ahead of you. Yeah, uh, into the sunset together. <laughs> well, I think also, I mean, I have a little like three-legged stool of my own that I talk about in terms of long-term compatibility. And those are optimism, generosity, and being best friends. 
people will call me up and they'll go, uh, why did my boyfriend say that to me last night? I go, I don't know. Why don't you go ask them? You know, I've said that on this show before, but it happens so often. And the problem is there's not a connection there. People do not feel connected. They're not with someone they even like, let alone someone who is their best friend. I mean, you know, you've seen Emily and I interact before. Mm-hmm. We're buddies. We can say anything to each other. We don't get offended. We're optimistic. We think the best of each other. That's what that means. You know, I'm not thinking she's going to go run around on me and sleep with someone else, or she's out to spend all the money, or she's making fun of me, or she's secretly thinking bad thoughts about me. We're optimistic. And the other thing is we're generous. And uh unfortunately, Demona, you've seen this. You're in the same industry I am directly. You know, it's not often anymore I have actual dating coaches on my dating coaching show, but you're one of them, <laughs> so we can talk like this. All the dating advice out there feeds narcissism. It's like, here's how you get a man to drop everything and love you forever just by whispering three little words into his ears. And the men's dating advice is no different. Here's how you get what you want without ever having to give anything in return. So you have a bunch of people who are selfish. They're trying to get something out of this relationship instead of thinking if they give something to the other person, you know, they'll get what they need from that other person because after all, it comes full circle. You're a team. You're best friends. You get each other. You're two of a kind. You're one of each other. So if you're generous to her, she will be generous to you and you don't have to worry about it anymore. I just wanted to jump in about narcissism because- (laughs) It's a frequent topic on this show, by the way. And I think most people would not consider themselves narcissists. But what I would ask if you're in a relationship, I would say, do you care about your partner's well-being at or above the same level as your own? And the way I really look at it, I'm always thinking about my husband first and making sure that the way that I say something to him, the way that I act towards him, that it's something that is ultimately for his highest good, not because I want to create a certain outcome, but is this going to be best for him? And he in turn does the same for me. And I think when you approach a relationship thinking of the other person's highest good, it elevates the communication that you have and it helps you treat the other person with respect. But there is, there's a lot of narcissism in dating right now. And I think, you know, I started out as an online dating coach and I'm a big fan of online dating, but I think it has contributed to people feeling like they can order a specific person and that is servicing their needs. And it's not about matching with the person who you are also there to support. I think apps in particular are from the pit of hell. And here's the funny part. I've actually spoken to people who've developed those apps and who are at least, you know, big players for those apps. And they agree with me. They're like, oh my God, we've created a monster. People don't even connect anymore. People just swipe right on each other and are absolutely so superficial. It's not even funny. So, I mean, you know, you can't, succeed on apps unless you're one of the beautiful people. And then all the beautiful people all swipe on each other and none of them ever get dates either because they got 200 people to go out with. You bring up an added issue that not a lot of people are talking about either in just connecting once you're in a relationship and getting off of your phone and spending time without (laughs) digital influences where you're just connecting with your partner. And this is one of the exercises. Exactly that I have couples do is to set up time where it's a digital detox. So I actually do a couple of times a year, I do a 24 hour, no cell phone, no internet blackout where I'm just connecting with my husband and with my kids and with my family. And it sounds daunting when you first try it, 
But the more you do it, the more you crave that time and you crave that human connection. And it can be done. <laughs> My wife and I took a tour to North Korea two years ago. And for that very reason, it was glorious alone. You know, no cell phone service, no internet, no electronics for three and a half days. It was absolutely sobering in its glory of not being hooked up for three days, you know, for being literally tuned out. But it's amazing. The first time that you do that, it's amazing the anxiety that came up for me. And I know that comes up for a lot of people when you're just there, you know, naked without your phone, without your connection to the outside. Oh, world. no, I'm we sure. kept our clothes on. <laughs> you don't want to do anything that pisses them off. Like you really that. don't. No, you really no. don't. <laughs> no, we weren't going to go running naked through the Yangakto Hotel or anything like that. But uh, No, that, that could have severe consequences there. I cracked a few too many snide jokes and the North Korean guy looked at me crosswise a couple times. But ultimately, they let me get on the plane and go home, which was a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm but, only I half mean, kidding, people- by the way. People can do that. You know, you don't have to go to North Korea to have a wind down time and a time oh, for you course. to connect with, yeah, with your partner. And even just in your daily life, even if you don't have a partner, there's actually a term for this now called fubbing, where you snub someone with your phone. You could be on a date and be fubbing the person. And it's been shown that if you have your cell phone even out on the table, now that's what people do on dates. They put the phone there just in case someone really important is going to call. And there was a study that showed it made the other person distrustful of you if you had your phone out visible on the table. (laughs) You know what I used to do? I'm going to get a little off track here, but what I used to do is I would pick up women for dates. And this is 2005, okay? This is before phones were as central to our social lives as they are now. I would take my cell phone and I would show it to the gal in the passenger seat and I would laugh and I'd throw it in the back of the car and just hold my hand up. Like, I don't need that anymore tonight. (laughs) And she would always giggle. You know, I love to make women giggle. That's why I honed my humor skills. Not because I'm somehow thinking I'm going to manipulate them into liking me. It's just, I genuinely like watching women laugh and giggle. So any excuse to make it happen, I, I go for it, you know? Yeah. But beyond that, it's also a sign of respect that I care enough about you to connect. And that's right. That's the main purpose behind the gesture is you're the only person in the world tonight, certainly the only woman in the world tonight because you're with me. And seriously, who is really going to call in that next hour? That's that important that it's worth breaking the day. Oh, that brings up. I, I do have a little tip for first dates that you should keep them short and sweet just to an hour. We're, so anyone we, can- We are so off track from moving together. <laughs> we are too. Yes. Okay. Let's no, but I, seriously, I do want to hear about some of the situations. I mean, you don't have to spill the beans on your TV show. We want everybody to go watch. But uh, you know, what are some of the things you've seen come up when uh, couples in general move in together that uh, you know you really have to have a heads up about before you start making decisions like this? Well, I think the issues are different for each couple. And I think there's a couple in this show that everyone will relate to. Um, what, well, that's just good casting, isn't it? It's great casting, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's and what it, it's supposed to be on these shows. you know. And yeah, as a dating and relationship coach, it gave me a lot to work with because these folks had many different challenges that they had to overcome to be successful in this relationship. And you'll see some do and, and maybe in the end, some don't. But uh some of the major issues that come up are cross-cultural differences. We have one man who is from the Middle East and his wife is a former cheerleader, Southern belle, blonde, you know, gorgeous, peppy, 
Americana woman and she doesn't really understand the Middle Eastern culture. And there's a lot with male and female roles that they have to understand. And they, you'll see, they, they grow a lot through this experience. And even if you are with someone of the same culture, just understanding the way that they live, even if on the surface you grew up very similarly, when once you really get in there and you start living together, you realize, whoa, wait, they do things very differently than I do. And you have to adapt your style to work with theirs. You know, I've coached two different couples that immediately snapped to mind when you just described that couple situation. One of them, the guy was Lebanese. So you mentioned the Middle East. Obviously, the Middle East is a big place. Um, in this case, both of them were Christian because, you know, obviously, if you don't know already, there's Lebanese Christians. That's a big part of the conflict over there that's been ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't like he came from, you know, being a Sunni Muslim and right. she was, you know, Assembly of God Christian or something. And they had that extreme disconnection. But they still had differences that they weren't expecting based on the cultures, like you said. I also had a guy who um, he was from uh, another country that's very different than our own. And he and his wife uh, mostly ran into a lot of unexpected things that they'd never anticipated. And she was the one who really just expected him to buckle down and become American, you know, mm-hmm. and he wasn't equipped to do that. I mean, he came to this country at age 30 and he was like 35 and he spoke wonderful English, but uh, the country he came from was indeed very different. And she didn't expect his country to be that different. Yeah. And I think sometimes you feel that you are understanding, you feel that you are adaptable, but you're not even aware of the differences of the culture and how they approach things in a completely different way that never even occurred to you growing up in America. So, yeah. So um, just like the level of respect for the mother and the way that the wife is expected to do certain things around the house was just foreign to her because she was not exposed to the Middle Eastern culture. And it's something that was an expectation for him because that's just how he was raised. So we, we help the couples navigate some of these differences and learn how to communicate better just to identify if this is the person that they want to build a life with. Well, you know, we've talked about extended family a couple of times here, and the more I'm ruminating upon that as you talk about it, the more I can understand how theoretically difficult that situation would be. Because first of all, you may have very conservative parents and grandparents who aren't happy that you're shacking up together, for lack of a better word. And then, of course, if one person's family is close in proximity to where they're living and they drop by and they're there all the time, it really becomes sort of like that old adage, you're really living with the person's whole family. I mean, the adage is you're married to the family, right? They're not married yet. So you're actually shacking up with her whole family or his whole family. And you better like these people because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. You don't necessarily need to like them, but you have to be able to communicate with them and understand them. All right, hold on. King's X. If you marry a Mexicana, a Latina, you better like the family because you're going to be seeing a lot of that family. (laughs) They're going to be cooking all the time and drinking modelos together. You know, you're going to be having a lot of time with that family. So, guys, you know, if you're marrying a Latina, you better like the family. Just saying from experience. And I do. And you better like what that family cooks, too, because you're going to be seeing a lot of that family and you're going to be eating a lot of meals with that family. 
Yeah, you have to be able to at least get along in family settings if you're if you're part of a Latina family. But I mean, you can't make the assumption that she does get along with her family because I I've also had clients that <laughs> that the tradition is that the family spends a lot of time together. But you know, she's an individual, so you uh-huh. can't make any assumptions there. But I would say oh, no. the top three things that you have to talk about before you move in together: finances is number one. And really think about the future. I would say kids and family and what that looks like for you. Because that's where I've seen a lot of couples go wrong, where they think we get along together and we have similar values, but then they get further down the road and one person wants kids sooner than the other one. One person doesn't want kids at all. Um, And how you're building your family life together, it may seem premature to talk about it, but if you're at the point of moving in together, you have to identify what she's thinking before you I think you that's move fair in. enough. I think that's fair enough. I was thinking more in terms of the logistics of actually moving in and how are we going to cohabit? Are you a morning person? Am I a night person? You know, when are you coming home from work? What hours are we going to keep? Are we ever going to see each other? Are we stuck with each other all day? What are we going to do on weekends? Things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the grand scheme of where is this going, I think you have to, well, first of all, know each other's last name. <clears throat> and then you have to know where you're going with this. I mean, where are we, what are we doing here? Why are we living together? Is it purely out of convenience? Are we ever going to get married? You know, that's the kind of thing you're talking about in terms of future. Where are we headed? What are we doing here? Exactly. And to even get in writing what you're bringing into the relationship, what you're bringing into the home or apartment. I know it doesn't sound sexy, but prehab, it's, it's a prehab. There you go. (laughs) You know, like a prenup, this would be a prehab before you cohabitate. Yeah. I've seen couples that moved in together and got a dog and then it was basically like having a child. Can't cut the dog in half. You can't. So he got to keep the dog and, you know, she got to keep everything else. (laughs) Kind of sad. So, you know, if you have that. The dog was happy. Uh, I don't get to see the dog anymore. (laughs) Oh, well, as long as the other person got to keep the cat, the dog's happy. (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe (laughs) she needs to get a cat now. But that should be a cat lady. It'd be a whole different thing. (laughs) Yeah. No more cohabitating with anybody if you're a cat lady. (laughs) Nobody's signing on for that. Exactly. Right. Well, this has been a delightful conversation. I know you got a plane to catch because you're this jet setting TV star now. <laughs> so what I got to do is I got to give these guys an inkling about how to get a hold of you figuratively and uh, find out more about your show and everything else there is to know about Demona Hoffman. So you yeah. want to go to www.mountaintoppodcast.com front slash Hoffman. H-O-F-F-M-A-N. I think that's easier for most guys to spell and remember than Demona. Although, actually, it sounds exactly like spelled. I know, but people misspell it all the time. So, yeah. Mountaintoppodcast.com. A in there. Yeah, you know. Slash Hoffman. <laughs> slash Hoffman. Yeah, and, yeah. and that'll take them right to my, my website where I have lots of programs and resources they can check out. And they can also mm-hmm. listen to my podcast, Dates and Mates. And uh, we post new episodes every week. And every week you can also watch A Question of Love on FYI or catch up on past episodes at FYI.tv. Outstanding. And I've been a guest on your podcast many moons ago, and it was a wonderful experience, as was this. You were an awesome guest, and people can even still download that episode and hear what you had to say. At the risk of sounding like Chippendale here, you are also. (laughs) 
So that's about it. Um, guys, actually, in the uh, interest of full disclosure, you can go to www.demonahoffman.com. Her name is her URL. But uh, mountaintoppodcast.com front slash Hoffman will send you there, too, if it's easier to remember based on how we do things all the time around here. And uh, great website. More to learn about. Female dating coaches are cool. We love them. So uh, thank you, Demona, for being on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. And guys, remember, we do do dating coaching around here, but we also do coaching for your lifestyle. If you want to be a more adventurous man, if you want to have an online business of your own that thrives, like both Demona and I have, then go ahead and give us a call. We're here for you. We're easygoing. We have a plan that'll work for you. And if you're not on my newsletter list yet, man, that's the first thing you should do. After you press stop on this podcast, or it ends by itself, whichever comes first, Go ahead and go to www.mountaintoppodcast.com. Sign on for my newsletter. I have a free report for you when you do that on how not only to get the first date, but the second date as well. That's a big, huge question for a lot of guys. And uh, go there and get you some, www.mountaintoppodcast.com. Until I talk to you again real soon, guys, this is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications. As always, be good out there. Mountaintop Podcast is copyright 2016 by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to visit www.mountaintoppodcast.com for show notes. And while you're there, sign up for the X and Y Communications newsletter. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the Mountaintop Podcast. <laughs>